Hi, I'm Vanessa Anderson. And I'm Stephanie Cooley. It's time to give ourselves a moment to be real, to express all of motherhood. Mothering is beautiful. It's wonderful. And you know what? It's fucked up too. Come hang out with us. We're the real motherfuckers. Hello, real motherfuckers. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Vanessa. And today we have Lola with part two for our Sexy Times episode. So um, I want to thank this podcast because because of this podcast, since we've been filming, recording since August, no, April, um, my sex life has improved a bit. You know? She went from a five to a, what do you think? Are we going to, to 10? I don't know. Yeah, because you said you were five. Uh, well, I like to be on honor roll, so I'll do B plus. Cool. It's where we're more, I'm more mindful of it. I'm more mm-hmm. mindful of myself and like my, how I participate in my relationship. And uh, Lola has given me ideas and inspiration to be more creative, be more open. It doesn't have to be like kinky. It's really about having a better relationship with myself and also seeing my partner in a different way and like, you know what time it is? It's fucking fuck 30. Okay. So Lola, thank you. I've already told her this. And, and, and Steph, my husband was cleaning the pool a week ago. And he looks at me and he goes, I listened to that your podcast. I said, oh, okay. He goes, it's fuck 30. I said, oh, is it? Okay. So thank you, Lola, for fuck 30. And, um... I have to, you know, just add on to the icing that yeah. that Stephanie so beautifully has put um, on the bread. And I think I feel more open to communicating with my partner. And so does he. And it's been like this beautiful open door. We already had that, but I feel like it enhanced it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel so subconscious of my body while I'm doing it. I'm more like, how am I feeling? feeling when I'm doing this it's not even is my body look good right here mm-hmm. it's more like I want you to touch my pussy like this yeah you know right. it's more like this is what I want and I'm feeling it and we're in the moment it's a present uh genuine moment of not thinking outside of what's happening within me and then also externally I guess down there so thank you I applaud you and if you guys are just listening now please listen to episode one or you can start here and go backwards but yeah Lola, welcome. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for that. Uh, it makes my heart so happy to to hear that because I I tell the stories that I tell and I share about sexuality and pleasure and sensuality so openly as a service. And it's a really about how can what I've experienced or what I've learned be supportive for other people. And so I love, I mean, that's like, that's my why for doing this, you know? And so to, to have you two have had that experience and I've heard from other people in our local community who have listened to, you know, not just that episode that we did previously, but a lot of your episodes. And there's just so much to receive from the conversations that you two are facilitating. And I thank you as well, because to have the kinds of, freedoms that this podcast is opening up for moms is so critical 
to be able to be real. And I thank you so much for this space and for the opportunity. And I love being here. So yeah, like, fuck yes. <laughs> I know we have so many topics to talk about. I think there's going to be Lola part three, four, five, six, seven, eight, because we've already got <laughs> stuff in the bank. Yeah. So thank you for your time, Lola. You're helping us as well. Okay. So we had some topics that we wanted to focus on and I think there is this, um, let's talk about dominance and, and submission roles. But I think that when we think of that, we think of like sexy whip things, people being on top or versus bottom. But I really think that also has to do and translate with how we treat each other in the home when we're not during sex. Mm. Um, can we explore more of that and how like, one can relate to the other, or maybe sometimes like it's the opposite in bed with mm. the way that it is in the home. Mm -hmm. ah. Yeah, I love, I love this topic so much because it is about so much more than just giving up control or taking control. And I think that's what a lot of people think of when they hear, oh, I'm, I'm getting dominated or I'm a submissive. And in my personal life, um, as a woman, I have spent most of my life rebelling against being submissive uh, because I was modeled by my mom, like a strong woman isn't submissive. You don't need a man. And so I learned from a very young age that being a strong woman meant taking control and meant um, not needing anything from anyone but that's a pretty imbalanced expression of being a woman, right? Because we do have a dynamic with our partners, whether our partners are male or female or non-binary, we have a dynamic in partnership that requires everybody to be polarized if you want that dynamic to be sexual, if you want that dynamic to build attraction over time, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship. And so in exploring the topic of dominance and submission, I've really had to start with where am I not allowing myself to release into a space of trust with my partner? Because I've been taught I don't need anyone. And so I'm hyper independent. And if you're a follower of pop psychology on Instagram, you will see multiple times hyper independence is a trauma response. And it really is. It's, it's a way of not needing to depend on other people because other people haven't been safe for you. So there's so much to unpack and explore with this. And in opening this door to myself, because I have been curious about it, I love to open my mind, open my heart to new possibilities. And, and I love to play with what intrigues me. And I've always been intrigued by these dynamics of dominant submission. And, and also I knew there was more to it than that. So I recently was listening to another couple talk about their journey as full-time 24-7 Dom sub, um, their infinite devotion on Instagram. And they were talking about how they embody this beyond the bedroom. And it immediately sparked something for me because to me, sexuality isn't something that's limited to half an hour, you know, every three days or only in the bedroom or only even about sex. It's always been this is who we are as humans. This is who we are as part of nature. 
why do we relegate these things to just this narrow window of our existence? And then we never talk about it. I would love for this to be something that's so much more inclusive of my actual life. And that's, that's why oftentimes when I'm having conversations about sex, it's not even about sex that we're talking about. Ultimately, there's so much more to it. That's way beyond sex itself. And so I sent the podcast to my husband. I was like, you got to listen to this. This feels really activating in a good way because I see in myself that me being a dominant 24 seven in my life as an entrepreneur, as running a household, mostly on my own while my husband is traveling, parenting my kids on my own, running my life. Basically, I am in that mode where I'm in charge, I'm in control. And when he comes home from a trip, I'm still in my go mode. You could look at you could look at this as go and flow, right? There's a polarity there. It's not about masculine and feminine. It's really about going and flowing. And when I'm in go mode and he's also in go mode, those two things do not fuck well. <laughs> right? There needs to be a relate. both and. Yeah, I right? Like I have to be on go mode when my husband's at a fire for two yeah. because if not I sink and I need right. to kind of be that dominant push and have to be in control and run things. Cause if you don't, I know my, which is not a bad thing. You know, my emotions can no. get in my way to not complete certain tasks that have to be, I get low energy, but if I have that push, like you just said, absolutely goes for it. But when he comes back, I'm still the alpha motherfucker and it creates right. big old problems for us. Cause I'm like, no, you can't fuck come in here with your dirty ass boots. I just mopped that fucking floor on top of get out making notes and listening to a podcast while I'm doing this. So you get your fucking muddy ass Rick Jane boots out of my house. So how do you work that dynamic in? That's such a, yeah. 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 Tell us, do you have a meeting? We, we don't necessarily have a meeting. It's more of a recognition that this is a problem and an opportunity. And that if sexual polarity, if, romanticism, if erotic aliveness is an important thing to you in your life, then you recognize at some point what's getting in the way of that. And it's always up to you, right? It's not your partner's fault. It's not the fact that he's gone. That's the problem. It's that I need to understand where to play switch, right? So in the BDSM world, a switch is someone who switches back and forth between being the dom and being the sub or being the top or being the bottom. Some people feel most comfortable in one role and, and some people like to play both sides, so to speak. Right. And I'm very much of a both sides type of woman because I cannot be 100% submissive. My life doesn't allow for that to be my reality because I have to dom the shit out of the time that I'm by myself. <laughs> Right. So I can't be like, oh, well, I'll let Tigray make all the decisions while he's flying and has no internet. I'll just wait for him. I can't do that. And, and it's not authentic to who I am because of how I was raised by my mom. So there's there's a lot of things to recognize. Like what have we inherited in our beliefs around what does female empowerment look like if we're talking to moms? Like, what does it look like to be in my power as a woman? And could that also sometimes look like me stepping into a place of trust with my partner to mm -hmm. give them a chance to provide something to us? We are in a time where women have had to learn how to provide for themselves. There's mostly two income households now. Our 
cost of living is so high, especially in Western countries, that we have to contribute financially. So we have to put on our dom side, get shit done. And what that's done is helped us equalize in a lot of ways, but it's also turned us away from our capacity to receive. And our if you think about how our bodies are physically designed, we are vessels to receive. Yes, we produce babies. Mm-hmm. Um, we produce all kinds of other things from our lower body, but we'll talk about the babies. Um, but <laughs> we, we are designed, especially sexually, to receive. Mm-hmm. And so why this content is so important is that if we are constantly doming our lives, if we're constantly the ones in control, constantly in charge, constantly strategizing and in our heads, in our consciousness versus in our receptive body, in a state of trust, in a in an active state of surrender, which doesn't mean like I'm a doormat, I give up. It means I am available. I am available to receive what is here for me. I am present. So what I have started practicing in my life because of this exploration is when he comes back home, how can I switch into a more present embodied receptive state? And I think that's maybe more resonant for a lot of us than submissive, right? Because submissive feels like, oh yes, you know, like you are above me. I'm not worthy. And that doesn't, that doesn't fly. Like I don't, I don't appreciate that. Um, but I do want to receive, I want to receive my man. I want to receive his contributions to our family. I want to feel like I'm in partnership. And so what has become very clear to me over time is dominance and submission isn't about power over. It's about partnership. It's about contribution and receptivity. And when I open to receptivity, Not only can I receive from my husband sexually and otherwise, I am also way more appreciative of what it is that he's giving me because I'm a recognition, I'm not alone. And the work of Alison Armstrong is amazing. It's definitely something I would recommend people explore. She has written a number of books, one of which is The Queen's Code. And in The Queen's Code, she talks about these, what she calls heroic language that we can use to empower our men in a very authentic way that, that helps us and helps them, everybody basically be their best selves. And one of those power words is provide. Men inherently have a drive to provide for their families, for their partners. Don't you think it's it's in us? It's, it's a biological. It's a biological thing. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And yet when we are providing for ourselves as women all the time, we don't need them anymore. And I think men feel that. And I think that women feel that. And it can seem like, well, that's that's progress. That's evolution. But we aren't evolving into a single sex species. We're still polarized. We still have men and women for a reason. And men want to feel needed just as much as women want to feel wanted. Mm-hmm. So when we can open the door to receive from our partner and allow them to provide for us in that quote unquote submissive place, it reharmonizes the relationship. And so like a very practical example of this is driving with your partner. So let's look at like an everyday scenario that's not even about sex. Mm -hmm. 
when I used to drive with Tigre and he would be the driver, I would be on the edge of my seat gripping with white knuckles because he drives like he's still in New Jersey, even though we're in California. Very aggressive. He's not paying attention to ways. So I'm having to be like, hey, babe, you're going to miss the exit. I'm, I am like driving with him, even though he's the one in control of the car. And I felt like it wasn't safe for me or productive for me to let that go. And what I realized is, first of all, I'm spending a ton of energy being present when I don't need to be. I could actually not be in charge right now. This could be a break for me. I could trust him. And what, what would it look like for me to trust him, even if he fucks it up? even if he isn't paying attention, even if he takes a wrong turn, even if we're late, even if he's, you know, off his game, what would it look like for me? And what would it feel like for me to let that shit go just for the 10 minutes we're driving together? And so I started practicing that and it is not easy. Let me tell you to stop micro checking the the map like this is an automatic reflex it's not even something that you're conscious of and and because we partner on this he's like are you checking the map right now i'm like yes i am sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that because of what you're saying my husband do that i've been trying lola i'm just like it is so hard the backseat driver you should put duct tape on my mouth i'm horrible yeah thank you for this it's you're welcome. It's so real. And I have found that with practice and like being intentional, like I'm not going to say anything. I know because I looked at the map. We're about to miss our exit. Not my problem. Like not my problem. How is he ever going to learn to pay attention if I'm doing it for him? It's yeah. just like being a parent too. Right. Yeah. So, I noticed that in relationships, we do that with each other. Like we kind of, I don't want to use, do. I guess it's, you can use the word baby, but it's you support each other where, you know, the other person's yeah. not as strong and they, they do it back. Like Ryan will do the same. And I really do appreciate that. But when he's gone, I realize I can actually do that. I just choose That's right. to does it better. So I, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's like, it's a dance all the time. I mean, with all of these dynamics, we're, we're constantly learning and playing with it. Um, but over time, what it's done is First of all, it's allowed us to, to turn it into something playful, right? Like he'll be, oh, are you checking the map right now? I'm like, yep, totally. Whoopsies. And then uh, it, it also can turn hot because you have this agreement when you talk about this and you you bring it to the table in your relationship. Hey, I want to play with this a little more. I want to play with trusting you. I want to play with letting go of control. I want to play with letting you take charge and really celebrating it and receiving what it is that you have to offer. Are you game for that? Does that sound fun to you? Probably most of our male oriented partners will be like, fuck yes, finally, like, let me do something for once. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> like, geez, I got a lot of offer. Um, and they do, they really do. I, re- I want to like celebrate that, that men are amazing. They really are. And I think they've, they've been disserviced by patriarchy as much as women have. And we've all been fucked by that so hard. So um, and without consent, it's not cool. I think so we can, can we can move that. forward in a different way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I feel like yeah. a lot of the pendulum has swung so far. Like we need to balance out this conversation. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I feel like you know exactly. Men are scared to, to be sexual in a time where it's been great that we've had the yes. Me Too movement, and you know those things have been wonderful. For sure. able to be protected as women and hurt. 
but I feel like like what yeah. Steph just said, we went went so far this way that like some men are scared to flirt. They yeah. don't know how. They don't know should I hug this woman right now? Can I it's, touch her hand? It's like it's and along the same line, I was reading a, a and I was listening to a book. Um, and I feel like I need to, to I'll bring it up. I'll get I'll give this book. You can put the quotes in our notes. This book that Vanessa said. Great. Uh, teens don't have as much sex as they did in our generation. Yeah. Sex is going down. And it has to do with what you were saying yeah. in the beginning. They're not trusting. Um, they don't, it's hard for them to have a, a genuine connection because of maybe devices, you know, they're on devices. They're not connecting yeah. themselves without being connected to an external device. Mm -hmm. Um, it could be, you know, self-esteem, but it's a lot. It's not human connection, not knowing how to even do it. Um, and also it's not just, it's people in their twenties too. So everything that you just said about connection, um, feeling sensual, you know, being feminine and masculine and it, all of it is correlated. Choo -choo! I think I can. I think I can. Don't let your projects on or near the tracks derail. Let on track solutions navigate the railroad aspects of your project with confidence and results. Keep it on track with on track solutions. With our sponsor on track solutions, the real motherfuckers podcast is a train meant to connect with mamas who feel off track. You know, and it's all tied in together. And, and it's sad to me that sex has gone down. Like, that's sad. We want it yeah. to go back up. You know, let people enjoy each other and, <laughs> yeah. and find each other in that beautiful. That's what it is to be human. Honestly, being human to have sex is such a gift, I think. It is, if you're doing it right. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think I just watched the Barbie movie uh, a couple of like the night that it came out, I watched it with my daughter and my husband's mom, and I thought it was fantastic. And also having really reactivated a deep respect and love for men, I was a little bit scared of what are they, what are they saying here and where are they going with this story? And I won't like ruin it for people who haven't seen it yet, but what I loved about where things went is that ultimately there was a recognition that we can't we can't subjugate either one of us if we're looking at just the binary of men and women, that it doesn't work to treat women as objects. It also doesn't work to completely ignore the existence of men, mm -hmm. that ultimately what needs to happen is beyond patriarchy or matriarchy. It's something different. And there's a great book by Riani Eisler, who's a scholar of um, archaeology and human sociology. And she wrote a book called The Chalice and the Blade. And in that book, she posits that before we had matriarchal cultures, before we had patriarchal cultures, many of the tribes of humans around the world actually operated in a partnership model where we really were working together in leadership, in community sustainability. There wasn't a sense of hierarchy between the, the genders. And her, her theory is like, this is, this is the evolutionary direction to go. And it's not a compensation of matriarchy to counteract patriarchy. It's beyond the binary and into union. And I think that's so beautiful. And it really aligns with, you know, what I'm about as a human being. And it goes right into this conversation around polarity and dynamics between this go and flow and how do we move it 
into a space where it's, it's outside of the bedroom and how can it facilitate more intimacy in our union? Because we're in a state of surrender, trust, receive, and also a capacity to, um, to give to each other. You know, how unsatisfying is it to give a gift to somebody and they're like, Oh, thanks. Cool. I'm going to throw it on the stack. Right. Yeah. You want to be able to be like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. You, you listened to me. This is exactly what I didn't even know I wanted. Thank you so much. And, and that's the thing about doms and subs that I also want to clear up is that the dom isn't about controlling the sub, uh, whatever the dom wants, right? What the dom's role is, even in, in a more traditional sexual sense, is I am going to listen to this person, this partner so deeply that I know more about what they want than even they do. And I am so committed to giving this person the pleasure, the delight, the desires, the experience that they want, that I'm going to trust myself and my capacity to give. And I'm going to, um, to give that to them. And so a sub actually has all the power. A sub is the one who says, this is my boundary. This is, this is my safe word. You know, this is what it is that I like. This is what it is that I don't like now create an experience for me. And I'm going to surrender and trust. And how beautiful and sexy is that? Right. It's just so gorgeous and so different from what we think of like the Dom wants, you know, to control this person. And so it's whatever the Dom wants is what goes. Actually the Dom is a deliverer of what the sub wants. And the sub says, I trust you to give that to me. I'm, I no longer need to c- create or control this. I'm this reminds receive. me of a thing that I do, that I started doing with my husband, because at the end of the day, when we go back and to, to be with our children and have family time, we're at different levels of energy and how much we can give to our families. And so we've tried to start this thing where like, before we enter the house and talk and be with our family. I'm like, what are you at? He's like, I'm at a 10. I'm like, cool. Cause I'm at a 60. So I guess I'll take over and know, where yes. at, you know, so like, totally. then we yeah. perform the way we need to perform based on how we're feeling at that moment. And it kind of just like gives us like healthy push and pull of like, I'm going to support you. Like tomorrow I might be Tomorrow he might be a hundred and I'm going to be zero. And so he can help me that way too. Totally. And I think that to the later in the day, because when my husband or I say we're 30% or lower, because we check in Mm -hmm. and you know, just how you're feeling. I know that's not a great day to have intercourse or have a sexual Mm -hmm. experience with him because we're not all there for ourselves right now. So how are you going to have this wonderful experience to connect? You kind of need to restore and reconnect and replenish. Mm -hmm. And so that's, thanks for sharing that. It is, that's important for you to really, it's so important. Yeah. So see, it's not just in the bedroom. I love that. Yeah. And I I, I seriously picture someone being tortured. Yeah. And I'm so, I love that you painted this more elegant picture of Dom sub, uh, I don't know, culture or talk or discussion yeah, of this. Because yeah. the only thing I've ever pictured, and we keep coming back, Hollywood. Hollywood with yeah. birth. Hollywood with sex scenes. It's like you just see this, like, the the white and the black version of Dom's, you know, and, and yeah. you just see, oh, like, yeah. 
person being whipped where it's like they they forgot the safe word and they're like holy shit yeah. that hurts you know that's, I'm, that's, I'm past my capacity yeah, yeah what the fuck yeah <laughs> yeah and and i want to share one one more quick story okay. about this that i think will like paint the picture well, and then we can move yeah. on if you're ready I was, um, I, but, I was getting too excited for the next step you tell I know, it. so it's it's also exciting um so i i like anyone still have trouble switching right? So if I have been doming my life, there are many opportunities for Tigre to gently and or maybe not so gently invite me to remembering, I said I wanted to be submissive today, or I said this was important to me and I'm still not doing it. And I I love that about him as my partner because he will be like, hey, you said this thing, you're not doing it. What's up with that? Um, And so we were at the airport and we were going on a very early flight to work with a couple that we work with about their relationship and also just enjoy each other because we're all friends and go explore the area that they live in and, and all of that. And so I had told him to kind of prep him for this couple's retreat. Here's what they're working on. Here's what they're navigating. Here's what I've told them about what we're working on. I've told them we're working on this Dom sub play and how it translates into our life and not just into the bedroom. And so he was prepared, you know, for kind of, this is what we're going into. And, and at the time I said that he was like, wait, shit, I haven't been that conscious about this lately. What, what is being the Dom look like when she's inviting me into being that role? And what does being the sub look like for me and feel like for me? So he was kind of reconsidering what that translates into for him. And we're at the airport and I'm like carrying my bag. I'm walking ahead of him. I'm going to the ticket line. I'm like, oh, there it is, blah, blah, blah. I'm just doing my normal travel thing because I've traveled a lot. And so I just kind of go for it. And he's kind of tagging along. He's not saying anything and he's not saying anything. And I'm just like, here's the passports, babe, do you have your passport, blah, blah, blah. We get into the TSA line and I noticed that he had dropped back behind me. He had just slowed his roll and he's just like strolling along behind me. And I'm like, huh? So I slowed my roll and I waited for him to catch up with me. And I looked at him and he's like, I'm just wondering when exactly you're going to be submissive today. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, and it just, I, I, I felt called out, but yeah. it was sexy because it wasn't just that he was calling me out. It's that I had asked for him to show up in a way that I was not making space for. And he was like, bing. And it felt so delicious to be invited into that space of, wow, yeah, I, I'm saying I want to slow down and I'm not slowing down. I'm saying I want to do this and I'm not making space for that. And so it was beautiful. And the rest of the time, was I like walking five paces behind him with my head down looking at the ground? No, I was still walking next to him. I was holding his hand. I was doing all of that. But I was no longer dragging him behind me as I took charge and and made it all happen for the day. I was much more available for him to, hey, babe, would you like a coffee? Instead of being like, babe, let's go get a coffee. You know, just like making space for him, um, which I am, I still practice every day. And it's such a beautiful way for us to stay connected to when we're apart. And we'll talk about that um, in either this conversation or another one, but it is so important to, to be able to feed the polarity if you're in a partnership and there's a lot that we can do on our own to do that. And I like the way he delivered it to you. 
because delivery is a lot, right? Yeah. Because if someone comes up to you and they're like, you said you were going to be the bottom bitch. Back you up. You said. You said, or, you know, like, hey. <laughs> That's how you know? she delivers her message. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to be a lady. I'm trying to find my. But it was so cute that he let you be the way you were being. Yeah, and yeah. let you see the way you were being, and then gently tell you. Yep. Yeah, it was. That's what it I was really sweet. It was really sweet. It's something I'm working on. And hey, whole, we can all do it better. Like, I'm blunt, you know. I have to add little flowers to it, and some I'm getting better. I do have to say. I am, but I love it. I think if, when my husband's doing that with me too, like bringing things softer, it's not so like, in yeah. your face, I think you're, it's easier to receive. I don't want to I'd say feedback, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's what it was. And that's another piece of being a sub that's so healthy for a relationship is when you open to receive any kind of thing that your partner has to give you, that also includes feedback and it, it makes the partnership stronger. And I don't know if you've struggled with this, but I certainly have. I don't want your feedback. Like I am, I don't want criticism. I feel like I got myself and I, I'm honest with myself and I will fix it myself. And, you know, feedback is an insult. That's and what, what I've learned yes. Yes, that's yeah, what is that it's not a commentary on on what you aren't or how inadequate you are it's an invitation to be your best mm. and learning how to look at it that way is another way of being willing to allow him to open a door for me because i know he's not saying oh you can't do that you you little damsel in distress let me take care of that for you no he's perfectly aware i can open any darn door i want to but for me to be like wow, I will allow you to take care of me. I will allow you to in, invite me into a space and open that door for me. Not because it's a commentary on my inadequacy, but could be, because it's an honoring of, of me as a worthy being and also a, a way of being needed, you know, in partnership, being useful. And there's a respect, I think. Like, I love that my yeah, husband- exactly. He has from the beginning, my son's starting to do it for others. And I think it's a sign of respect, like you said, welcoming someone into a space. That's such a beautiful way to put it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that took some deprogramming, you know, because my mom was like, I don't need you to open the door. I don't need you to walk on that side of the sidewalk. Like that's, that's, that's old shit, you know, like that's, that's me being weak in your eyes. And I have, I have learned that that may be true, but there's other possibilities to engage with that same behavior. Yeah. It's the intent behind the person doing it. If you know that person has yeah. good intent and respects you, it's different than I got this bitch. I'm opening the door for you. You know, that kind of thing. I'm yeah. the boss. It's, it's yeah. different. There's a different flavor to it. You know? Exactly. Are you ready for your? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way to segue this. Let's talk about sex choice. Yeah. And if you haven't been taking notes, <laughs> take them. Me and, I don't know if you can see us, but Steph and I are like, everything she's writing things down. Yep. <laughs> I love it so much. Well, and, and this really does segue pretty well because in order to either be a dom or a sub sexually, you have to know what feels good to your body and you have to, to sh show your body that it's safe to open to receive and that it's safe to be in pleasure. And a lot of our our inner sexuality and our inner pleasure, we still barricade ourselves against it 
or we rush ourselves in the process because we're still goal oriented with our sex where if we don't have an orgasm, it's like a failure or a letdown or something went wrong. Um, and that's, that's not how it has to be. And so when it comes to sex toys, I think, you know, for example, vibrators are great. I have a wide variety of options, but if you want to teach your body to feel safe to receive, often what will happen as women is that we internalize varying degrees of traumas, you know, whether or not we've actually experienced sexual trauma ourselves, our bodies have been objectified. We are in a culture that still sexualizes women. And so it's a very confusing time to be in a female body. I think it's a confusing time for everybody, but I can speak as a woman for, you know, my experience certainly. And so I've noticed that, you know, as I've opened more sexually with my partner, that I still have places where I don't allow myself to fully open to him or to the experience. I can have an orgasm, but as I was unpacking this for myself and then with him, what I recognized is there's a, a, a solid period of numbness for me emotionally and physically between initial arousal and orgasm. And that is because my vaginal tissues had armored up, had learned different ways of protecting themselves. And we all do it in different ways. Sometimes it's painful to have sex. Sometimes it's numb and you just don't feel anything. I mean, you feel like there's a dick going in and out, right? But it's not like a sensory experience. You don't have um, connection with the sensation. And I remember telling my husband this and he felt so sad. He was like, I'm so sad about this. I had no idea that you had this gap, you know, between arousal and orgasm. And, you know, I didn't really know it either until I really started questioning and, and getting curious about well, what does feel good for me? Why does that feel good for me? What do I want more of? What do I want less of? Some of the things that we were talking about in the last conversation. And so vibrators don't do a great job of resensitizing, reactivating, and what's called de-armoring our vaginal tissues. They're mostly about clitoral stimulation or stimulation of the G-spot. They are fast and there's so much sensation, so much movement that it's actually sometimes kind of a disembodied experience because it's just so much in that one concentrated spot that you can't really tune in to what your breath is doing, to what your heart is doing, to even what you actually want next. And in order for us to be able to de-armor ourselves, to delaminate ourselves from those layers of trauma or wounding or stories that are getting in the way of our pleasure, we have to slow it down. So when you need an orgasm and you want an orgasm, go for the vibrator, sounds great. When you want something deeper, something that allows for more heart-centered, embodied curiosity about who you are, what feels good to your body. Slowing it down and using a very different tool set is essential. And having it also be more of a self-pleasure practice versus a zero to 10 orgasm is essential experience where you're goal-oriented, results-oriented 
Um, so you, you need to take that results orientation out of the equation. You want to give yourself some time and space, which not everybody has a lot of for this kind of thing. So I know it's challenging. Um, but if you can offer yourself time and space, if you can take the need to orgasm off the table and open to a pleasure parlay with you and yourself, you know, a conversation with you and your body about what am I? Who am I? What do I want? What feels good? Where can I unprotect my my being from connection, from myself and from my partner? And so we want slower tools. And I, I know I brought out this obsidian wand last yeah. time. Yeah. This is this is one such tool. So this is curved, as you can see, right? Some penises look like that, but you know, you never know. Um, but this is curved for a reason because it's designed when you work with it internally to allow you to really direct how you work with your vaginal tissue. And it's really much more of a massage than right. masturbation. Right. So you're looking at this from the approach of, let me massage my tissues and let me pay attention. Oh, does it like hold there? Does it stick there? Is there like a spot that feels like maybe there's some scar tissue there? Let me just like gently maybe apply a little bit more pressure and just sit with it. Because when we're using a vibrator or we're with our partner, usually there's a lot more motion in the ocean, right? And so you don't yeah. have time to like sit with and release almost like, you know, an elbow on a pressure point, right? And so our internal tissues in order to de-armor themselves need time and space. They need stillness. So it's not something that you're probably going to experience with your partner's cock, if that's what your partner has to offer you, right? It's going to be something you need to offer yourself with something like this, with your own fingers, but this can get places that your fingers cannot, that their fingers cannot. And this is also a way for you to know yourself and, and not be dependent on your partner to do for you what you need to be doing for yourself, which is making connection with your body, opening to pleasure. You know, that's, that's our job, not theirs. So this tool is amazing for that. The other one, this one looks a little crazy is this one. This is a oh cervical wand. So for anybody just <laughs> listening, it's this curved Looks like a it looks like an S. Like an S that's gone mm -hmm. a little bit flatter than an S. That looks like and a it's bottom. got a little bit of ridges. It looks like it's made of glass. It's glass. It has yeah. ridges along one side and a kind of a bulbous end on the other. Yeah. And the reason it's, it's shaped like this. And weird. It's sculptural. Yeah. This could be on my on my coffee table if I was bold yeah. enough and didn't have young children. Um, <laughs> But it's shaped this way so that you can, without like tweaking your wrist and your arm and getting into uncomfortable positions, that you can insert it into your vagina and reach all the way to your cervical tissue, which holds a lot of that protection, a lot of that protection and a lot of pleasure. But many of us aren't penetrated deeply enough to feel it or are protected so deeply against it that we don't even know that that's an opportunity for us. So yeah. you can rotate this very gently and slowly against your cervix. You can rotate it through, kind of map your whole interior of your vagina for yourself. Like where feels good? Where is my G spot? This is curved up so it can help you connect with that. Um, there's all different ways that something like this acts as an extension of you versus like 
a dildo, right? This is an extension of your body that is helping you map yourself for yourself and remove your layers of protection in a very gentle, very slow that way. That so, intimidating though. Like I'm going to be straight up. That looks intimidating you, as fuck to you me. Said a word, <laughs> you said a word a few times and it's really pulling at me and it's the word map. And mm. the fact that we yeah. have lived with our vaginas our entire life, if you were to ask me, draw a map of what it's like inside, I wouldn't be able to fucking say. It just looks like a dip. That's what I would it's say. A, it's a dipped tunnel. Exactly the shape of our of our vaginas and all of that inside. Like I'm sure a lot of us don't know what yeah. that is. I don't. I don't. Yeah. And, and you know, I didn't even think of that as an opportunity to actually that is something you can figure out. That is something that's right. that like the idea of us being in the present moment with us down there is also mm-hmm. a, a nuance that I didn't also think of is like versus using a vibrator. It's overstimulating. It's like, you're not really there with yourself down. A lot there. of times yeah. you're not. It's like what well, people watching porn that are addicted, you know, they're not breathing. Yes. They're not like- people like you, we talked about in the other part, people do it. And, and it's just like, get your rocks off. There's no connection. And it, it, is it really about you? You know what I mean? If you're not really connecting, exactly. Then they don't they don't need to or want to connect with anyone else because they can't. They're they're so disconnected with that part of themselves doing it so quick. Like the vibrator that you just mentioned, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, and I I am all for orgasms. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like there's there's more to the opportunity in the conversation than yeah. just an orgasm. You know, because yeah. pleasure has a spectrum, you know, that even goes beyond orgasm, especially when you spend this time with yourself. First of all, it makes you a way better communicator with your partner. Like, oh, I love it when you touch me this way. I love, I love it when you hold still for a moment there. I've actually had some of the best, deepest, most penetrating sex with my husband when he is inside of me and stops completely. No motion, no back and forth, uh-huh. no efforting on his part. When he just holds presence and allows me to sensitize to his presence, yeah. it allows me to feel him more thoroughly with, with my whole entire being, not just my vagina, but with my whole being, mm-hmm. I can have an orgasm just there because it's not about stimulation at that point. It's about connection. And that's a different quality of pleasure. It's not better or worse. It's just different. And, you know, another practice that can help with that is the yoni egg. So maybe more people have heard and seen things like this. This is an obsidian yoni egg. It's kind of the shape of like a small to medium sized chicken egg. And it has two holes drilled in the narrow end. So you can put some string through it like a unwaxed uh, or unflavored dental floss. And you do that so that you can insert it inside and then easily pull it back out. Yeah. Or if you've had a child, it might just plop right out the mini stand up, which happens <laughs> for me. <laughs> but this is wonderful because for many of us who are moms, our pelvic floor anatomy has changed. Um, sometimes we hold too much tightness in our pelvic floor and that leads to sexual pain. Sometimes we have scar tissue from birth trauma. Sometimes we have very little muscle tone to our pelvic floor because of labor and delivery or other factors. And so 
a yoni egg is another slow pleasure practice to re-engage with your pelvic floor and either help it release tension by kind of offering a, a pressure point massage in a way, or to build muscle tone in a way that is not just sit here and do your Kegels. It's more of a training tool that actually our, our vagina as a series of muscles can be trained just like the rest of our body can be trained to isolate musculature, to get stronger, to get more toned. It's This is like yoga for your vagina, basically. So the way that you can use it is thread string through that narrow end, insert it and, and laying down, because I cannot do this standing up still, I don't have enough pelvic floor tone yet. Um, but if I'm laying down, I can gently pull on that string and I can insert it at different points of my vagina. And when I pull on the string, I can practice hugging the egg and I can practice hugging the egg at all these different intersections inside of my vagina. And you can imagine over time, as you get more tactile with your muscle ability and your connection with your internal anatomy, how fucking delicious is that for your partner? When you're like, he's like, oh my God, your vagina is like gripping me in sequence. Fuck yes. You know? And so the amount of pleasure you can offer to your partner amplifies, but it also helps you come back into your highest and best physical form, no matter what kind of trauma you've experienced, what kind of birthing experience you've had. Um, it just helps you optimize, for lack of a better word, your entire, entire genital anatomy. And, yeah. you know, this is like non-surgical. You don't need to go get your pussy tightened. Dude, I'm yeah, gonna you know? you. when we're grabbing that block, I'm gonna say the egg. Lola. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting that shit. Hell yeah, you're the pussy. you sold it. <laughs> yes. And I have I have a link I can give you guys so that you can put it in the show notes that gets people a discount. So yes. um, my favorite place for all of these, all of these things. And it may look intimidating and that just means that there's an exciting edge for you to nudge yourself and nestle into and explore. It's not about insertion and, you know, like in and out and penetration and thrusting. It's about exploration and curiosity and slow, delicious inquiry into your own body, like self-intimacy. So it doesn't have to be something that you're like, oh my God, I hope that comes with an instruction manual. Like you are the instruction manual and you're writing it for yourself as you go. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. And you you're know, welcome. Stephanie didn't say this question the way she wrote it. I think it's only fair that everyone sees what I'm seeing. What? You, the, 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 this is, no, this is what Lola put. Oh, okay. Lola put this. This is the best. <laughs> it says toys and this, the question is toys and practices for de-armoring your pussy and juicing up pleasure. That is awesome. <laughs> I love it. Ask your friend that. Hey, girl, how you de-arming your pussy? And juicy, juicy up, up for pleasure. pleasure. That's right. Make it moist, baby. Thank you. That was cool. Right, so You're welcome. Thank you for offering that because I, I, if I saw that in a store, I'd be like, absolutely fucking not. It would freak me out. So thank you for making it yeah. safer for me to approach. Okay, You're welcome. So as, as we talk about meeting with our partners to fuck um <laughs> and juicing up and de-armoring our vaginas doing all of that <laughs> like this um 
what like it's almost like this anticipation that we get like oh my gosh we're gonna we're gonna get some we're gonna get a bit but this at the same time we all we have our days to deal with um and it's crazy and you're doming all over the place with your life like can you give us some tips on like things that you can do leading up to you know getting with your partner and um warming yourself up to get to that moment Yes, I am so happy to talk about this because the reality of our lives is that we get done with our days or we wake up in the morning and it's like sex becomes kind of another item on the to-do list or it just feels like we're not, never quite in the mood that we want to be in when we have the time. It's like, oh, now we have to like get ourselves in the mood or we're going to have sex and we're not going to enjoy it as much as we could. There's all these barriers to having great sex because of the way that our modern lives are structured. And so knowing that, knowing that I am like many of the people listening to this show where life is fucking full, you know, full-time mom, home with my kids, running my business, taking care of the household, then switching into partner mode when my partner is here. It's just, it's a lot to navigate. And we also sometimes have this belief that it's our partner's job to turn us on. And so we we disempower ourselves in that way by saying, hey, you, you're the one who's supposed to turn me on. You're, you're the source of my foreplay. And that burdens them unnecessarily because ultimately our pleasure, our chemistry, our in-loveness is all something that we are creating within our own personal ecosystem. It's mm -hmm. completely 100% up to us. Yes, we can be fed and nourished and fueled by our partner, but if we're looking to them as the source of our turn on, that's disempowerment. Literally, we've unplugged from our power and we've plugged it into them and then we're draining them at the same time. So it's not good for anybody. And I love to turn myself on. There is nothing I love to do more than to turn myself on. And you would think that by hearing me say that, like this girl must be masturbating 24 hours a day. I am not <laughs> because turn on just like the conversation around sex and sexuality is, is not even really about sex. It's about what turns me on, what lights me up and let me prioritize that in my life. And so I have a few examples. One is, first of all, just on the surface, how do you adorn yourself? Are you going to be turned on when you are schlepping around in sweatpants that you've been wearing for the last three days in dirty house shoes with unclean hair? If you're turned on by that, more power to you. But for me and most of the people I know, that is like not a turn on. That doesn't make you feel particularly sexy. And I like to juice myself up. Even when my husband isn't home, I have actually found that the more absent he is, the more I am delighting in turning myself on and designing my life around the things that light me up. Mm -hmm. And it's been way better for our relationship as a result. And so an example would be red lipstick. So red lipstick is something that I, first of all, never used to wear. It felt like other people had better lips for that than I did. And it's also a pain in the ass if you want to make out with your partner all day long, which I prefer to do when my husband is home and it gets all over your face and it gets all over their face. And that's like sexy to a degree, but then your kids start judging you. It's not good. So 
I, I didn't, I didn't wear a red lipstick for, for many years, although I really appreciated it. And recently I've thought, you know, my husband's gone a lot of the time. I'm not macking down with anybody. What better time to style myself in the ways that make me feel good that also don't have any other hindrance that are, that's going to inhibit me from doing that. So I started putting on red lipstick. And, I and saw even you. if I am wearing three-day-old sweatpants, I saw you. Yeah, like, your you know, even if I. <laughs> we talked about this. I love it, and you looked hot. We did. <laughs> Thank you. And it, it was for me, you know. And I think that's the big difference. Like, we certainly can enjoy getting hot and looking hot for our partners, but it's so much more sustainable and ultimately so much more delicious if we do it for ourselves, mm -hmm. because what is most attractive to your partner is you being in your element, you being in your joy, you being in your passion. If it's a healthy relationship, that is going to turn them on much more than anything else that you do. Certainly anything else that you do for them, right? Like that becomes their performance. So this is a way to light them up too, right? It's a confidence booster. So I will dress up at home by myself. I didn't get them out as a prop, but I have these seven inch platform shoes. I have two pairs currently, the three pairs currently of ridiculously heinous high heels. And I will sometimes just put those on. And that's what I do to mop my floor is I mop my floor in seven inch stripper shoes uh, by myself, right? Like it's not even any, any evidence on Instagram. Like I'm just doing it for myself. Yeah. I also delight in nourishing my body. And so it's about in the shower. Can you just go a little extra with maybe using a sugar scrub and giving yourself just a little extra attention, softening your skin and, and nourishing yourself? Maybe it's a delicious body oil or even just olive oil from the kitchen after your shower. It doesn't have to be fancy. You can put a couple drops of essential oil in it if you want to. But there's all kinds of very simple ways to nourish and treat yourself like you are a delicious piece of ripe fruit, which we all are. We're in this day right now, no matter what your age is, at peak ripeness. You could be 15, you could be 65, you could be 88, you could be 43 like me. This right now is your peak ripeness today. Can you treat yourself as that? And so that... That translates into a lot of different behavioral choices. Yoga is another way that I have recently reactivated um, a physical connection with myself. Because when you think about foreplay, you think about turn on, it's as physical as it is mental, right? There's an aspect to it that requires you to be in your body. And for many of us, our lives are so disembodied. We're on our screens all the time. We're on our computers. We're sitting a lot. We're driving. We're navigating calendars. And so we're not connected to our bodies. So a yoga practice, even though I'm not, you know, doing sex yoga, I'm not doing tantric yoga, I'm doing Vanessa's class and other fabulous classes at Sage Yoga, hashtag. Um, but, but those things have helped me turn on to myself because I am treating myself like a goddess, you know, in, in the ways that I feel um, that looks like, you know, that, that translates into that behavior is for me. And so I would ask each person who's listening, who wants to feel 
more turned on, wants to feel a sense of like electric aliveness in your body, what does a goddess look and behave like to you? To you, it's not about what that looks like in mythology or in Hollywood or in imagery. If you were to really treat yourself like the goddess that you actually are, what would change? Mm-hmm. Would you take a nap instead of pushing through? Would you read something delicious instead of yet another self-help book? Like, what is it that's going to light you up? I mean, delicious, juicy fiction has been some of my best decision-making that I've had. It's like, yes, I can continue to go down my self-led PhD program in humanity, or I can read this great book by Emily Henry that makes me feel all excited about somebody falling in love and helps me remember those feelings in my own body, you know? So those are some of the pieces. And then one piece that I think is, that's unique and something that probably not a lot of people are doing is becoming an erotic poet in your partnership. And this is something that can juice you up and also juice up your connection with your partner. And this can be something that you do, um, you know, while you're, he's at his job and you're at your job or he's at the grocery store. And I know poetry can feel intimidating for people because like, well, I'm not a poet. Like I can't put together a poem. Poems are simply the clearest, most direct way of saying something with art. And so I have an example that I would like to read to you that I wrote to Tigray. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Of course. I love to write (laughs) and poetry intimidates me. So I would love to So Tigray and I actually wrote an entire book of poetry called Strangers to Soulmates because our relationship was long distance for the first year. And so we would exchange poems back and forth on a secret blog that nobody knew about. And oh we would God. just say Letters like, you. blog. That's what's missing. What's that? Those love letters from back in the day, man. That was yeah. badass. That's right. That's people stayed in love. I love it. That's right. And we, we have lost a little bit of that. You know, like we send someone an eggplant emoji and expect that to do the job and it's just not quite going to do it. Yeah. So this is a poem that I wrote to him. It's pretty short, but you'll hear what I'm saying by it's a way of being direct without spelling it out necessarily. So this poem is called Secrets. You trigger memories so delicious I could live on them for days. My body heats again as my heart beats again, and I slip into a dreamy half-smile where everyone who looks at me a second time knows what I'm thinking and perhaps wishes they could be skin on my skin, like you were and will be so soon. No matter. Their eyes are not what I want running down my back. Damn. Dot, 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 dot. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So that's what Tigre wrote you? That's what I wrote to him. Oh, you wrote to Tigre that? Yeah. and Amazing. I wrote to Tigre that. So there's a lot of innuendo in poetry. And that's what's so great about it as an erotic tool for turn on is that you get to play with innuendo, which 
we've gotten pretty bad at generally speaking in this culture. We all have time for that shit. It's art like, oh, that takes effort. And I just want to say it and get it over with. But getting it over with is like using a vibrator to teach your body about pleasure, which no. it will do to some degree. Yes. But it will not get you all the way there. The exactly. Yeah. We love that. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Lola. It's just icing on the cake always with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's so much fun. And there's so much more to talk about. And I know we'll have future opportunities to yes. do that. And I thank you for your rapt attention and uh, just for everybody having the courage to listen to this stuff. Yeah. I, I'm just excited because everyone who has subscribed, thank you so much and continues to listen to us is that we have been brainstorming back and forth. Like, how much can we talk about sex? Like, really? Yeah, and oh, then Lola dude. is like, oh, let me give you a 17 bullet point list of all the things. Yeah. Like, oh, my gosh, we didn't even think of these yeah. this realm of how to think about sex. So um, she's like our our sex Dr. Phil. Sex for Oprah. And we're going to keep bringing her in and, and having us, you know, heal through the sexual revolution that you might be going through exploration. Um, reconnection with yourself and your partner. Um, I think it's been, you've helped us all. And yeah. I appreciate you always. So thank you. Me too. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Yeah. Thanks, Lola. We salute you. We salute your pussy. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Happy pussies everywhere. <laughs>